Welcome to the Lady Beta Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Mern. I'm a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and soon to be a certified brain rewiring coach. We're going to be talking about all things training, nutrition, mindset, and hormone balancing for the Lady Climber. You can learn more about me and the services I offer over at ladybetacoaching.com and over on Instagram at ladybeta.coaching. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Lady Beta Podcast. I am so excited to be talking to you today about motivation, that sneaky little thing that tends to flutter away when we most want and need it. So I'm really, really excited to dive into this because this is probably one of the biggest questions that I have actually been asked in the last couple of months, especially with where we're at in the world right now. So I think during the beginning of quarantine, A lot of people were, you know, potentially doing two-a-days, like, really, like, training their butts off and, like, really psyched on staying strong for climbing. And I am not surprised, but a lot of that, I think, dissipated the longer that we were, you know, had the stay-at-home orders and were away from the gyms and the crags. And again, I'm not surprised that that, you know, dissipated because it is really hard to uphold that level of attentiveness and dedication for a long period of time. So that being said, there are some things that you can do when you feel like your motivation is a little bit lower than you want it to. And specifically when you're not sending, so you're either not, you know, completing your projects that you have, or you're just not feeling like you're having a productive season. So for me, I tend to get a lot more frustrated the longer that this goes on for me. And it kind of like makes this whole cycle and situation worse. I feel a little bit unmotivated because I'm not sending, you know, chicken and egg scenario. But I'm hoping that by doing this podcast and offering up some potential solutions and things that I have found helpful both for myself and my clients that this can be able to help you. So one of the first things that you need to understand about motivation is it's not just there. Like we're not just born with motivation. So one of the best ways to actually create motivation is through our habits and our actions. So I like to think of it as, yeah, motivation is not necessarily just there. We have to create it. And the way that we do it is through consistency. So We might not feel like training all the time, but if we know that that's the thing that makes us feel really, really good, we're going to be a lot more likely to actually get up and get it done. So making sure that we plan time in our day for that to happen and potentially a time that you feel the best. You know, if you're a morning person, great, try to fit it in the morning. If you do really well working out before or after dinner, try to fit it in there as well. Like make it as easy on yourself as possible and also make it as convenient as possible. So if you're not wanting to make it to the gym right now, if it's like a far drive or if you just don't like being there, get a hangboard at your house and make it that much more convenient for you to actually get it done. So another way that you can think of it is motivation versus willpower. So we run out of willpower towards the end of the day. Um, This is actually goes along with what's called decision fatigue. The more decisions that we have to make and the more willpower that we actually use, the harder it's going to be to stick with what we wanted to do, even if we really do want to do it. So making sure that we are not running out of motivation because we've decided too many things earlier in the day and we get to the end of the day and training just like is not on the docket. It's just not something that we feel like doing at the time. 
So one of the first things that we can actually do for improving motivation is to learn how to shift your mindset. So this is probably the most important thing that you can do to get out of a funk and really get some perspective. So when we're in the thick of it, like solely focused on sending or, you know, solely focused on our projects, it can be really difficult to take that bird's eye view and see the little victories and wins along the way. So the little victories and wins are actually what eventually add up to the bigger wins and accomplishments. So by focusing more on what we have done and less on what we haven't. So I have all of my clients do what I call a win journal. So a win journal is I literally challenge them to find something good that happened in their session. I'm like, maybe you felt like that session was completely terrible. Like you don't feel like you did anything well. There's nothing good that came out of it. I'm challenging you to find one good thing that actually happened. You showed up. That can be the one good thing for that session. So our brains are wired to actually focus on negative things. So if we do not consciously remember to write down the little wins and the little victories, of course, we're going to look back and we're not going to feel very successful about our training or about the effort that we've put in. So think of all that positive feedback that you've maybe gotten on your climbing, you know, maybe in your job, but that one piece of negative feedback stands out in your mind the most. It's the same thing with climbing. So we need to make sure that we're really paying attention to those little wins and the little victories because it really is all about the process. It's not just about the outcome. We need to make sure that we have both process and outcome focused goals, but we need to remember like we can't get to that outcome without the process. So we have to purposely and consciously choose to remember the positive. Again, like I cannot stress this enough, like make sure you challenge yourself. Even if you felt like you had the worst session in the world, something good happened. You just have to find it. So it's going to feel a lot more satisfying and it's going to make you feel a lot more grateful for the things that you have gotten to experience in your climbing and the things that you have gotten to do. Like maybe you got to go to a really cool climbing area. Yeah, too bad you didn't send anything. You maybe didn't do your project. You maybe <laughs> couldn't even climb the warm up, but you got to be outside. Remember just a couple of months ago when it was kind of like, yeah, we're not going outside. Nobody should really be going outside. Can you be thankful just for that? really challenging yourself too to like think of is there some aspect of your training going particularly well can you do more pull-ups than you did before maybe you're doing weighted pull-ups maybe you can do more difficult moves than you could before or maybe you actually did unlock a crux sequence maybe you figured out some micro beta again whatever and however small that win is it really should be celebrated progress is progress no matter how small. So with that win journal, making sure that you're being really consistent about it. Um, and maybe one day, sure, it's you got to pet a really cute dog at the crag. And that was the highlight of the day. This is practice. And this is just like training. We have to exercise this positivity muscle and the success muscle in order to seek out that positive and rewire the brain to see it just like we train our muscles, tendons and connective tissues to gain strength with training. So just remember it. This is is part of that process and it's not going to happen immediately. So if you're feeling frustrated or upset with the progress that you haven't made, try making a list of five to 10 smaller accomplishments. And really, I think your attitude is going to turn around pretty quickly.
So with that, moving on to the next one. So managing your shoulds and managing your expectations. So do you ever get frustrated because you feel like you, quote, should be able to do something? So a warm up or an easy boulder. Gosh, I, I really just feel like I should have been able to do that. Um, I really feel like I should have been able to do that climb. So this is your ego talking. This is not you. This is what you feel like you should be able to do but why? The rock doesn't care what you think you should be able to do. These are expectations that we've put onto ourselves and who's to say or guarantee that we are able to and deserve to climb every single grade of, you know, let's say the 510s. You know, maybe you're a 511 or 512 climber. Who says that you're guaranteed to climb all of the 510s? You know, isn't that part of the fun of climbing of is meeting those challenges and being able to say, oh, wow, I thought I knew I knew it all, but actually this is a new skill set that I need to learn. So with that, when we climb things below our limit, we're often not fully paying attention or climbing with intention. So it's a lot easier than what we're used to, and we can get away with a lot more. You know, maybe we're looking away before we actually place our foot. Maybe we are distracted. We're talking. We're like humming a song. We're not fully present in that moment. And with that, you know, it's going to open up opportunity for us to potentially take a fall or for things to feel a little bit harder because we're not in the moment. You know, unless you're in that flow zone, it's going to be a lot more difficult to actually do that. So pay attention to the easy routes just as much as you do the hard ones. So this is how you get really, really good at climbing. So you get that proprioception, that feedback from where your body is at in space and learning, okay, what do I need to adjust? Do I need to move my hips a little bit more? This is how the pros get really good at climbing. They climb easy routes with just as much attention and focus as they do hard ones. So with the expectations, make sure they're coming from you internally and that you're not picking up other people's expectations to carry around. This is very, very common. And I see this a lot with my clients um, asking their partners, oh, hey, should I get on this? And kind of letting that partner make the decision for them. And they're like, yeah, you're going to like it. It's really easy. And then what if you don't find it easy? Uh Uh-oh, what then? That's when your ego comes out and it's like, well, you should have been able to do this. Well, why? Oh, because my partner said I should be able to do this. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the word should. I think a lot of the time it implies a lot of guilt. It implies shame. And it really is a disempowering word. So being very mindful of that word in your language, I think can be a really helpful thing for people to do. I know a lot of my clients see a lot of success when they pay attention to this a lot more because when we're using the word should, again, you have to question yourself like, this is an expectation that I'm putting on myself. Where is it coming from? And does it actually need to be there? Is it actually true? So remember too, like climbing is supposed to be so fun. Like this is why we do it, right? How can you get back to climbing actually being fun and you actually enjoying getting outside? At what point did you start putting so much pressure on yourself to perform? Also, alternatively off of that and kind of getting down a rabbit hole, but there are training and performance days and those are very separate. Your training days, like you should not be sending stuff. You should not be like, hell yeah, like I did that limit boulder. I felt so good. Like it's a training day for a reason. And there's also a reason that Olympic athletes, like they really don't Like they don't perform every day. They train for years to perform at a certain point in time. You know, all those other times where they feel great, that's just a bonus. And that's how their training schedule is set up. 
but making sure that you're not trying to put that pressure on yourself to perform each and every day that you go outside or that you go to the gym. So allow yourself some time for, you know, exploration in your climbing, for getting on things that feel hard for you, for challenging yourself on different angles, different hold types. And honestly, you're going to be able to improve your climbing a lot quicker that way. Leading us into the next one, so doing something different. If you are lacking motivation and you've kind of been like beating your head against the wall, you're like, okay, this just is not working for me. Like, I'm just not enjoying this. It's not as fun as it used to be. Climbing is a sport that requires a lot of time and dedication to progress through the grades and the difficulties. If you find yourself spending a lot of that time climbing or training and only getting more and more frustrated, it might be time to take either a short or a longer break. So with every other sport, it is easy to fall victim to over training with your climbing. So overtraining can cause a whole host of issues, things like trouble sleeping, moodiness, decreased appetite, low energy levels, more frequent injury, being more susceptible to injury, a drop in performance, and plenty of other symptoms. So if you find yourself experiencing any of these and they last for longer than a few weeks, it could absolutely be a sign of overtraining. So with all of this in mind, it could be time to switch things up. So while climbing will always be, you know, most of ours favorite ways to work out, it's good to take time off to explore other fitness passions. Um, Or it doesn't even have to be fitness. Maybe you really like knitting. Like, heck yeah, take that up for a bit. Things like trail running. It could be hiking, throwing weights around at the gym. Okay, not actually throwing them, but like doing things like deadlifting, bench, squat. Taking a little bit of time off of specific climbing training to explore other things that your body can do. I mean, not only is that going to build confidence, but that's going to give you a mental break. It's also going to help you get a better perspective and take a step back. So this tactic can actually be particularly useful when you feel like you're making minimal progress. So it can also help to reduce those overtraining symptoms. Focusing on other hobbies or aspects of fitness can help to build the stoke and excitement when you get back. Resting the body and the mind creates the opportunity for growth upon return and, you know, (laughs) makes the heart fonder for what you haven't participated in for a little bit. I know for me, um, when I skip taking a week off, um, typically I like to do this twice a year Well, I'll take a week off in like the dead of winter and the dead of summer. If I miss those, I totally notice myself showing signs of overtraining and I'm a lot more likely to get injured as well. And I'm just not as excited. Like I just don't see the progress as much. I'm just not like super stoked to go to the gym or to hang on the hangboard. It's just, it feels like more of a chore than anything. So leading into the next one, this is going to be rest. And if you're anything like me or any of the ladies that I work with, you are go, go, go all of the time, all of the days. So If you feel like you're fighting against your brain telling you to train harder, train all the time, train more often, deep down, please know that that is not the answer. So training and exercise work to break down muscle tissue. Like we are not getting stronger when we're training. Rest is the only way that we can actually build muscle and build strength. So let me repeat that again. We are not getting stronger when we're training. We're getting stronger when we're resting. So while training specific movement can be really helpful, training so much to the point where you're overtrained and you're overworking your body can be very 
detrimental. So after a long climbing season or a long few weeks of effort, the body can begin to feel a bit worn down from trying so hard for such an extended period of time. Again, that goes back to performance versus training. So that's going to look very different on the body and it's going to demand different things. If you're constantly trying to perform and constantly trying to send at your limit, that's going to take a big toll on your body. So resting even a few days can be really beneficial for starting to repair the body and getting back to maximum power and endurance. It can take more than a few days though, and it might even require a full week or maybe a month to get back to the place where your body feels comfortable enough to try hard again. So I know with a lot of women who are you know, I don't want to say high strung, but maybe a little bit, um, have that some of those perfectionist tendencies, worried that they're going to lose their gains if they stop training, they kind of just force themselves to go through the motions. And they're just so tired, like they're stressed, they're maybe not eating enough, they're under fueling, they're under, you know, recovering, and it just gets to be this vicious cycle. Also, really noting that if you have stress in your life, which I think right now we all have an added element of stress with the things that are happening in the world, but if you have anything like illness, work stress, your family, friends, any of this, like this is going to further add to your recovery time. And taking that into account, so the body perceives exercise as stress. So external stress can be just as detrimental to the body as overtraining. Again, The body perceives exercise as stress. Normally, this is a good stressor, but also that's what breaks down the muscle tissue and we need to recover from that. So if you have a lot going on in your life and you're trying to add really intense training or really intense projecting onto the top of that, that can be too much for you. So I like to think of stress like droplets that are going into a beaker or a bucket. So usually the individual droplets aren't going to make a huge difference, but when they add up, then they can overflow. So thinking of your stress in terms like that, like how many stress droplets are you adding to your beaker each day? Also, on the other end, are you making sure to actually take time to pour out some of that stress? So this is through self-care activities like meditation, brain rewiring, breath work, taking a bath, reading a book. These are all going to be things that fill your cup back up in a really good way and it's not going to make it overflow. So we need to make sure that if we're adding stress to our lives that we're also taking time to remove that stress as well. So stress is stress and although exercise might be a great stress relieving activity and if you are one of those people that's like no 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 I need I need exercise to relieve my stress I would really have you question your relationship to exercise and why you feel like you need it and It shouldn't be, you know, a dependent relationship on exercise to get rid of your stress. There are definitely other things that you can do that aren't as taxing on the body. Next one is going to be evaluating your effort. So climbing is such a unique sport. So... A lot of the moves that we're doing, if they're at our limit or our capacity, they require so much intensity and so much focus that anything less than 100% effort just won't cut it. I think that's what a lot of us really love about this sport is that it can be easy to fall into the trap where we convince ourselves like we really are giving it our, our all, like our best. We're, we're, full effort for sure. But really deep down, maybe we're distracted or maybe we haven't spent the time refining the beta to execute what actually needs to be done. I know for me, a lot of the times if I fall off something, I'm like, I was trying so hard, but maybe I haven't actually taken the time to drop my hip a little bit or to toe in more or to figure out where my hands actually need to be on the crimps. Like, 
where specifically on that edge do my fingers need to fall in order to hit this next move? So with that, you know, maybe you are trying your hardest, but you haven't taken that time to slow down and become efficient or to actually parse out the micro beta for each move. Because again, if you're climbing at your limit or you're doing something really intense, it's likely going to take a lot more effort than you just being like, oh, just try hard. Making sure that you're not leaving anything to chance and really dial in those sequences to make sure that the moves are something that like if they could benefit from movement specific training that you could add that in and you're not going to feel so frustrated. So things like lock offs, dead points, drop knees, um, core strength, body tension, all of these movement patterns can be trained in the gym or replicated at home to gain the strength and confidence that you might need to actually send. And that can be hugely motivating as well. So my last and final step is going to be to hire a coach. So this one is a huge game changer. Having someone outside of yourself to actually help you identify specific areas for improvement is invaluable. So having added accountability and support. So sometimes all you need to see with your improvement in climbing is having someone to say like, why don't you work on this? Or let's focus on this aspect because if we're left to our own vices, we're absolutely going to be drawn to the things that we're already good at. Like if you love crimps, you're not going to be like, yes, let me selectively go put myself on this sloper problem that feels really hard and difficult because my ego doesn't like that and it feels really hard and difficult. Um, And deep down, we all know we love climbing because it's hard, but for some reason, like we're averse to putting ourselves in more difficult situations if it's something that we perceive to be below our grade limit. So with that, with the structured training sessions, it can take so much stress off of you to have them be pre-written, predetermined. Again, when I was talking about willpower versus motivation, like this is something that doesn't take a decision if you already have those written down for you. It can be so incredibly helpful. And not to mention, it's going to be based on your individual body. So it's not something that, you know, you can just like do it with your best friend and you're like, yeah, we're totally going to get the same results. So Again, reminding ourselves like the reason that we hire a coach is to work on the things that we're maybe not good at and to really highlight our quote weaknesses. Um, I like to call weaknesses opportunities for growth because we can really only be as strong as our weakest link essentially you know if there's if you're really really terrible at slopers and you're like I'm just going to keep getting better at crimps that gap between your sloper strength and your crimp strength is going to widen and it's going to feel even harder when you get on something slopey so with that if you're needing a coach be sure to check out my training programs on the website so ladybetacoaching.com you can actually use the discount code podcast for 15% off this is by far the best and most affordable way to work with me as your coach i have a 6 week hangboard program a 4 week body weight conditioning program so you don't need any equipment for that one and a five-week isometric based program so whether you have equipment gym access or not there's a program that will fit your needs on the website there's no one right answer for everyone and sometimes it truly is a combination of a few of these options that helps the athlete overcome this dip in motivation so again with that making sure that you are learning to shift your mindset being really conscious of the thoughts that are going through your head finding those wins like challenge yourself like even if you felt like you had a total shit session like there's something good that happened 
managing your shoulds and your expectations. So making sure that you are in control and not your ego. Your ego is not driving the bus. This is what I talk a lot about with all of my clients. Like take that steering wheel back. You're the one that wants to make the decisions. You know, our egos are very protective for us. And in a different podcast episode, I'm going to go more deeply into this, but making sure, you know, you're not trying to like kill or destroy the ego. You're like, thank you for showing up for me because, you know, deep down I felt embarrassed or I felt frustrated. And it's really just trying to be there to be protective, but we don't need it to make decisions for us. So with the third one, doing something different. So maybe you need to take a break from climbing and maybe that's trail running. Maybe that's just hiking. Maybe that's honestly doing nothing. Um, Maybe that's leaning more into your creative side and doing something like coloring or painting um, or being able to lift weights a little bit more. That can absolutely make that motivation a lot stronger. Also resting. If you're feeling like you are just totally over it, like things are just not working out for you, rest can be a beautiful option. Do not feel guilty about this because again, like we do not get stronger when we're training. We get stronger when we rest. So if you need to take days, weeks, months off of climbing in order to have your body feel a lot better and consequently raise your motivation, do that. Next one is going to be evaluating your effort. So making sure that you are giving 100% to whatever it is that you are trying to climb. So dialing in the sequences more, getting those that micro beta dialed in, making sure that if you need to do some movement-specific training that you have identified what that is and that you're able to replicate that in the gym or at home. And lastly, hiring a coach or following a training program. So again, I have a ton of programs on my website. If you need help with your training, I would be more than honored to coach you. And this is something that I love doing. It's one of the greatest joys of my life is to be able to see all the transformations that my clients have had. And, you know, they come to me, they're so frustrated with where they're at and they're in a plateau where they're just not progressing as quickly as they like. And by the end of two or three months, they're like, oh my God, I'm a completely new climber. I feel so awesome. I never knew I had this much strength. Training can be a huge boost in confidence. You know, we don't really build strength that quickly. It really is just that mindset shift, like thinking, you know, going from, wow, I didn't think this was possible for me to like, wow, I did that. That's so cool. And to be able to carry that to outside, that's going to open up so many possibilities. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please make sure you go leave a rating and a review. And monthly, I will actually be doing a giveaway for a free training plan. So if you head to wherever you find your podcast, so that can be on Apple, iTunes, that can be on Stitcher, go ahead, leave that rating and review. And once a month, I'm going to be drawing somebody's name for a free training plan. I so appreciate the feedback and it helps me get to know you better and get to know exactly what you want to hear on the podcast. Stay tuned for next week.